Well, if you have your Bibles with you again this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22. For the last few weeks, we've been doing a special sermon series on family matters because family does matter. And we've been addressing uh, different issues, and this morning I want to speak for a few minutes on this subject, wisdom for parenting. And while we all may not be parents in the room this morning, I think you'll find that the scriptures that I'm going to be pointing you to will be helpful in a general way in all of our lives. And so again, as I admonished you a few weeks ago when I was speaking to husbands, uh, this is not a time for you to check out. You should stay engaged with your Bible open as we turn to the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 22, I'm going to read one verse, and it'll be uh, the verse that I'll be launching the sermon from, and we'll be kind of working through the book of Proverbs in a general way this morning. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, very famous verse of scripture and this is what the bible says train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old he will not depart from it now i come to the subject of parenting with much trembling and humility and i can relate so well to john wilmot the earl of rochester who once said this before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. <laughs> and anyone who's been a parent for any length of time, I'm sure can relate to that. Or maybe you're like me and before you had children and you would be in the grocery store or somewhere and seeing other people's children act out. Look at your wife or say to yourself, our children are never going to act like that. Only to find that they do indeed act just like that. Right? And so what we need when we come to the subject of parenting is wisdom. We don't need earthly wisdom, we need heavenly wisdom. And the Bible has given us a book of heavenly wisdom called the book of Proverbs. And in this book, God gives us wisdom and guidance in training our children to become wise, God-fearing adults. And this morning, I'm going to give you four general categories of wisdom that the book of Proverbs teaches us about parenting. Number one, parents are called to disciple their children. Parents are called to disciple their children. We begin with this principle all the way back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And in that book, Moses, Israel's leader, anticipated the new covenant of God when God's words would be truly and effectively written on the hearts of his people. And with that future renovation of the heart in view, 
Moses issued this famous command in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And this is what he said to Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. And in this passage of Scripture, Moses commands the nation of Israel to have a heart that completely loves and is devoted to the Lord. And when you go to the New Testament, you find that that is the exact same principle that the Lord Jesus Christ taught. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, the Bible says that a lawyer came to Jesus to test him. And he asked Jesus to identify the greatest commandment in the law. And in Jesus' response, do you know what he did? He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 that I just read to you. And this is what Jesus said to the lawyer in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And so the Bible is establishing that a home should be centered and built around a love for God with all of one's heart, soul, mind, and strength. And along with this command for complete devotion to God is the command to teach God's Word diligently by talking to your children throughout the daily interactions and routines of life. When they wake up, when they go to bed, when you go for a walk, when you go to the store, wherever it may be, and you'll notice the key to all of this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In order for parents to successfully and biblically disciple their children, God's word must be first on their own hearts. And what the Bible is teaching us is that you and I can never expect to successfully impart Biblical wisdom to our children unless we personally love wisdom ourselves and unless we devote ourselves to the Word of God. Because here is the reality, parents. Our children will probably respond to us in the same way that we respond to God. And so this principle is simple. Parents are called to disciple their children. And to do that, the word of God must be upon our hearts. Now, the book of Proverbs. And in probably my favorite verse 
in the whole book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7, the writer of Proverbs gives a powerful picture of this principle of discipling children in the home. And this is what he says. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Now the first half of this verse describes a believer who has come to passionately integrate God into every area of their life. Their life can be described as a life of righteousness and as a life of integrity. It is an established pattern in how they live and in how they direct their home. And the second line of this verse details the benefits that those who are dwelling in that home derive from that righteous integrity and conduct. He tells us in chapter 20 and verse 7 that children are richer for the righteousness and the integrity of their parents. He tells us that when children see their parents' faithful consistency in pursuing God and living for God, the children gain a model of how they should pursue and live for God. And this is the whole point of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And the goal of the book of Proverbs is to teach everyone who reads it how to live life skillfully. And the book of Proverbs lays out for us a model of a godly home in which a father and a mother instruct their children. And when you read through the book of Proverbs, if you will circle or underline or highlight the two-word phrase, my son, every time you see it, you will find a pattern after that of how parents should live and direct and disciple their children. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, as a father to his son, teaching his son wisdom for life. And to work through these sections of the book of Proverbs under the heading of my son gives us a template of how to disciple our children. For instance, in the ten sections found in chapters 1 through 9, the father addresses a son appealing to him to seek a life of godly wisdom. And then, beginning in chapter 10, the collections of the rest of Proverbs form the content of the wisdom that parents should teach their children. And what the book of Proverbs teaches us is that our goal as parents should not be to just control our children's behavior. That is not going far enough in parenting. Our goal should be to shape their inner character and their souls so that they'll grow up to live wisely for God when they're on their own. And so the father in the book of Proverbs prepares his son or his daughter, if you will, 
for adulthood and independence by telling them how to restrain their tongue, how to manage their career, how to handle their money, how to avoid sexual immorality, how to choose a wife, how to develop generous characteristics such as honesty and self-control and generosity and diligence and respect for authority. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that when a man or a woman lives a righteous life, a life of integrity, and points their children to this godly wisdom, their children will be blessed in following their example. And this is what we should be about primarily as parents, discipling our children so that they will become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Jim Neuheiser, in his little commentary opening up Proverbs, says this, The goal of wisdom is that you might achieve a life of beauty and significance, so that at the end of your days, you will have accomplished something worthwhile and lasting, end quote. And you know what he's saying? The goal of wisdom is so that when you come to your death, you will have lived a life that made a difference for eternity, that there is eternal significance about your life. And friends, I submit to you this morning that that is the goal and the task of parents. To disciple their children for eternity. And it begins, it begins with a mom and a dad pouring God's word into their own heart and into their own life so that they are transformed by the very word of God that they're trying to teach their children, so that when their children look to their parents, they see an example and a model of righteousness and integrity, and then their children are blessed after them. I'll illustrate it to you this way and move on. All of us, all of us, every single person in this room, singles, high school students, College students, grandparents, all of us are leaving tracks. And if somebody were to come behind your life and look at your life, they'll see the tracks and the trail that you're blazing. And Proverbs teaches when you leave a righteous track and a track of integrity. I liken it this way. It's a straight track. It's not like this all over the place with bends and curves and ups and downs, but it's a track of righteousness and integrity, a straight line. Your children, your grandchildren, those around you come behind you, and it's easy to follow where you're going. You don't need Siri. You don't need a GPS. It's straight. And that's what it means to disciple your children. Listen, parents, how you live goes a whole lot further than what you say. So parents are called to not only disciple their children, secondly, they're called to direct their children. 
As I've mentioned to you, the book of Proverbs is primarily the record of a father's instructions to his children. Instructions that his children were to hear and to heed their whole life. Listen to the warning that Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 27 gives about failing to hear and heed instruction. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. And what this verse reminds us is that we can never come to the place in our lives where we stop listening and we stop learning. Because when you stop listening and you stop learning, you stop growing. And when you stop growing, it is really difficult to lead or teach or help someone else, especially children. And the principle is simply this, gathering godly wisdom is a lifetime pursuit. You never graduate from the school of God's wisdom. And so what Proverbs teaches us is that parents have a responsibility to direct the lives of their children. Parents must provide the right kind of direction to their children. If you go to the beginning of the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 8, and in verse 9, you'll find two complementary verses that emphasize the importance of providing the right direction to our children. In Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 8, the Bible says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And what Solomon lays out in uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 is that parents, both the father and the mother, are responsible for training and for instructing their children. It takes both parents to accomplish this task. You'll notice what is absent from this verse. It doesn't say that the church is to provide direction. It doesn't say that the school is to provide Direction. It doesn't say that any other organization is to provide direction to your children. It says that a father and a mother are responsible for directing their children. As we've witnessed this morning, the church should come alongside every family and help them and support them and encourage them and reinforce what the parents are doing in the home. But God places the primary responsibility on directing children on the shoulders of mom and dad. Now, in the very next verse, chapter 1 and verse 9, Solomon tells us that God considers this instruction that comes from a father and a mother to be of greater value than anything else the child can take from the home. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 9. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Solomon likens or paints a picture of godly wisdom flowing from the father and the mother to the children as a garland of grace, as a pendant of beauty draped around the child's neck. And that ancient language is describing an object that was a sign of esteem. 
It, it meant to be well respected and held in high esteem. And Solomon is saying when a father and a mother provide the right kind of godly direction in the lives of their children, and their children receive that godly direction and apply it in their lives, it becomes a garland of grace, a pendant of grace around their neck. A picture of children rising up to be adults and being held in honor and esteem and living for God in their own generation and for God's glory. And what Solomon is emphasizing, and notice the placement of these verses, it's at the very beginning of the book of wisdom. Solomon is emphasizing that this is the priority in the home. That if you get everything else wrong as a parent, get this right. Direct them in the ways of God. And friends, you may be sitting here this morning saying, well, pastor, you're not telling us anything new. Why are you reminding us of these truths? Because we forget. Because you need to be reminded. Because the world is telling you that your children's sports teams and your children's extracurricular activities and your children's academics are the most important thing in their lives. And you sacrifice all of your energy and all of your resources and all of your time. And listen, you keep them out of church and prioritize other things above God. And then they grow up and you wonder why they don't love God. It's because you're leading them in the wrong direction. And somebody has to point this out. Somebody has to remind you. Somebody has to tell you something that you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. Charles Bridges, in his famous commentary on the book of Proverbs, says this, Most people deal with their children as if they were born only for the world, and they educate them for time and not for eternity. Do you catch that, mom and dad? Your children have a date with deity. Your children are going to stand by themselves, not by your side, by themselves before the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to give an account of their life. It's a sobering responsibility to direct them in the way they should go. And Proverbs teaches us with this responsibility that there is a requirement, which brings us to chapter 22 and verse 6, the launching point of the sermon today, of a very familiar verse that is so misunderstood, so misunderstood. I'm going to try to clear it up for you this morning. Train up a child. The phrase train up has the original root meaning the palate or the roof of the mouth or the gums. It's, it's used to describe breaking or bringing something into submission. For instance, a wild horse with the rope and the bridle, bringing that horse into submission. That's what's behind the phrase train up, to bring something under submission. 
It was also used in the days of Solomon to describe the action of a midwife who, after delivering a child, would dip her finger into the juice of chewed or crushed dates, and she would put her finger with that juice on it in the mouth of the infant and rub it along the gums and the roof of the mouth to create a sucking sensation. And then she would give the infant to the mother to begin nursing. And it came to be translated to create a thirst in, to create a hunger in. And so the idea behind the phrase train up is to bring under submission and to create a hunger or a thirst in. And that's what you're doing as parents. You're bringing your children under submission to the ways and the will of God. And you're creating a thirst and a hunger in them for the things of God. You're dedicating them to God by training them up. The phrase child is a broad term. It's used in different ways throughout Scripture to describe many different ages. And I would translate it this way for you this morning. As long as they're under the roof of your house. They're your responsibility to direct and to guide and to lead. And the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 22, we're to train them up. We're to bring them into submission. We're to create a thirst and a hunger in them for God. Look at the phrase, in the way he should go. Now this is where we misunderstand the verse. This phrase, in the way he should go, means in keeping with. Here's how the New American Standard translates it. In the margin, according to his way. Train up a child according to his way. He's saying that if you want your training to be godly and wise, parents, you observe your child. You're sensitive and alert to how God created and made your child. And you discover how God created and made your child, and you adapt your training to your child. I would illustrate it this way. What works for one child will not work for another one. And if you're a family that has more than one child, you know that to be true. You start out this way parenting, and you parent every child this way until a child comes along, and those ways that you parented the ones before it no longer work. And that's the heart of this verse. You understand the way God created your child. That word way literally means bent or the bending of the bow. And so if you have a bow and an arrow and you pull the string back on the bow, the frame of the bow bends. And what Solomon is teaching us is that God has created a bent in every one of our children when they're born. And our job as parents is to discover the bent. It is to study our children. It is to understand the way that God created them, their personality, their bent, and then apply the principles of training and creating a hunger and a thirst for God in that bent, bringing them into submission in that bent and notice what the verse says and when they're old they won't depart from it well, well how old is old well the word old literally means hair on the chin or bearded one and in in old testament language it's referring to maturity 
And so what he's saying is that if you discover the bent of your child and the way God created him, and you bring them into submission in that bent, and you give them a hunger and a thirst for God and the things of God, when they become mature, they'll not depart from it. It doesn't mean you can not fulfill your responsibilities as a parent and just take them to church and think everything's going to be okay because you took them to church and they go wayward and rebellious and you can come in and claim this verse and say, well, I took them to church and one day they'll come back. That's not what this verse means. But that's how most people translate it. But that's not what it's saying. That's not what it means. And listen to me, friends. I'm helping you understand your Bible this morning. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is not a book of promises. And you take this verse and you treat it as a promise. And I'm telling you this morning, it's not a promise. It's a principle. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is a book of principles. And what that means is that bad parents can turn out good children. And it also means that good parents can do everything right and still have bad children. It's not a promise. It's a principle. And the principle is that you train them. You bring them into submission. You develop a hunger and thirst for them, for God, according to their bent. You begin early. You don't grow weary in doing it. You persevere. You get some things right. You get other things wrong. But you don't give up. You don't quit. You keep moving forward. And generally speaking, Proverbs says when they become mature, they won't leave what you've put into them. It's a call to disciple your children by having the word of God upon your heart first that you are becoming a disciple of Jesus so that you can teach your children how to be disciples of Jesus. It is a call to direct your children, to point them in the right direction, to show them what is most important in life and to lead them in that direction. And number three, it's a call to discipline your children. Parents are called to discipline their children. Now listen to your pastor this morning. We live in a cancel culture. And what I'm about ready to say is the epitome of being canceled. But I've just made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, whether you like it or not, and whether it's acceptable to the world. That's my job, and I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day, and I'm going to give an answer to him for every sermon that I've ever preached. And so I never come into this pulpit to preach hoping you will like me. I come into this pulpit to preach giving you the truth because that's what you need. And some of you may have a hard time with what I'm about to say. And here's my challenge to you. See if what I'm telling you is what the Bible says. And if it's what the Bible says, then your problem is not with me. Your problem is with the Bible. And you can try to cancel the Bible and cancel God all you want. They tried to do it in Jesus' day, and you saw how that worked out. So good luck with that. Parents are called to discipline their children. The book of Proverbs is filled with exhortations and instructions on how to train our children. And Proverbs teaches us that if we let our children grow up without limits, 
If we let him grow up without boundaries, without consequences, without responsibilities, and without accountability, we are guaranteeing them a lifetime of disaster. If you don't hear anything else I said, I hope you hear that. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that rather than causing our children to question our love, when we discipline them, the book of Proverbs says it shows them that we love them. That as parents, when we take the time to set healthy limits and teach our children to embrace authority properly and to embrace rules properly and to model what we expect of them, children grow up happier, healthier, and more secure than when they're given free reign. So I could give you a whole sermon on discipline this morning. You're getting the cliff notes, all right? So the first thing I want to show you in Proverbs is the priority of discipline. Proverbs chapter 19, 18. Discipline your son for there is hope. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. This proverb is a word of encouragement and exhortation to parents who are weary. And that's most of us in the room this morning. Right? We're weary. If we weren't weary, we were weary by the time we got everybody in the car to come to church. Right? And the encouragement in this verse is to keep disciplining your children because, listen, if you stop disciplining them and directing them and guiding them, what hope do they have? That's the point of the verse. There's a warning to persevere and not abandon your children to their own folly. That even when you're weary, you persevere and you hang in there. He says, discipline them while there is hope. It means there comes a point in your child's life where if you've not taken up the aspect of discipline in your parenting, it becomes too late. You've missed it. You must start early, and I would say often. And the age is not specified here, because the principle is simple. When you see rebellion begin to rise up in the heart of your children, that is when you must act in discipline. Can I remind you this morning that you don't need to teach your children to sin? They are born sinners. It is their nature. It comes natural to them. And there will come a point in their life when that beautiful little child that you think could do no wrong will rise up against you in rebellion and sin. And it'll be sooner than you think. And Proverbs says you must discipline them. It should be a priority. You ready for another one? I hope you're writing these verses down. This sermon would be two hours this morning if I had you turn to every one of them. So I hope you're writing them down. Proverbs 13, 24. Listen to this. It's actually in your Bible. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now listen to me. Any parent who refuses to discipline their children is saying that they are wiser than God when it comes to parenting. That's what you're saying. 
You're saying that you are smarter than God about raising your children. And the verse that I just read to you, chapter 13 and verse 24, says that if you don't discipline your children, you don't love them. You actually, listen to what the Bible says, you actually hate your children if you don't discipline them. You see, when a parent lovingly disciplines and corrects their child, that child understands that their parent cares for them. And when a parent stands their ground and maintains truth and righteousness before their child and sets parameters and limits, those children come to learn how much their parents love them. But let's be honest. Oftentimes, the reason why we don't discipline our children is because it's an inconvenience and we're too tired and we don't want to do the work. But Solomon says a true sign of love for your children is that you'll discipline them. All right. So here's the second principle, the purpose of discipline. Do you know what discipline does? It purges wrong conduct from a child's life. Listen to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly, that word describes a hardened case of moral stubbornness and stupidity. It is the willful refusal to make moral choices. It is wickedness. It is a spirit of rebellion that despises discipline and disrespects authority. Now, according to the Bible, when you bring that bundle of joy home from the hospital and you're in your house and you're showing that baby off to everybody, you never say, look at my bundle of folly. You never say that. But the Bible says that even when they're born, foolishness, disregard and rebellion to authority, moral wickedness is bound up in the hearts of our children. Do you know what a fool is in Proverbs? A fool is somebody who opposes God. And the book of Proverbs teaches that as parents, it's our responsibility to discipline our children and drive the foolishness out of their hearts because they're by nature foolish. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 15, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Oh, do you hear that, parents? You leave your child to themselves, they will bring you heartbreak. You must be diligent to discipline them. And when you discipline them, listen to what the verse says. It gives your children wisdom. It gives them wisdom. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 30 says that blows that wound cleanse away evil and strokes make clean the innermost parts. Discipline is the vehicle that God uses to drive sin out of our lives and make us clean and make us look more like Christ. And that is the parent's responsibility. Parents, I want you to understand this morning that the foolishness that is bound up in our children is so real. It is so damaging. It is so dangerous. 
it will send them to hell if it's not dealt with. You must discipline them. So what's the pattern for discipline? Well, Proverbs tells us how we should do it. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. The Bible actually says that a parent should use an instrument to discipline their children. Not a hand, an instrument. A rod. You say, that sounds awful. You're telling parents to use a rod on their child. Well, you think a rod sounds harsh? You know what this word actually translates into Hebrew? Club. So which would you rather have? A rod or a club? No, you're missing the point. The point is the instrument. Because you're not teaching the children to associate the discipline with your hand. You're teaching them to associate it with the instrument. And you'll notice that Proverbs tells us where we're to discipline. The back. Literally, the backside. Now, I'm not an expert in physiology. But there's one thing I know. That God created all of our bodies in a certain way that there's one part of us that's bigger than all the others. Right? And Proverbs is teaching that that is where the discipline is to occur. You say, I don't like it, Pastor. It's all right. You don't have to like it. It's going to be okay. Do you understand that this picture of discipline between a parent and a child is a picture of Christ and how he disciplines us? Oh, yo, you love this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod. Oh, you forgot that was in there, didn't you? Your rod will what? Comfort me. Christ, as the great shepherd of the sheep, uses the rod to discipline his children to drive foolishness and sinful behavior out of our lives. And the psalmist of Israel says when he uses the rod on us, it actually becomes a comfort. And you know what I found as a parent? When you discipline your children biblically in the right way, it resets their whole trajectory they, they become different kids. Why? Because you drove foolishness away. You met rebellion head on. And you say, I still don't like it. Then I say to you this morning, you're adopting a pattern of parenting that is different from the way that Jesus Christ parents us. You're going to have to wrestle with that. You're going to have to decide who's authority over your home, you or God. Who's the pattern for your parenting, you or God? Now, I want to say to you, practically, this important principle. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline 
and instruction of the Lord. You have to have both. You have to discipline them and instruct them. And you don't exasperate them. You don't discourage them. What does that mean? That means every offense is not a disciplined offense. You have to deal with things differently. It means you don't discipline a child for being a child. You don't discipline them for spilling milk. Spilling milk is what children do. You love them. You teach them how to clean up the milk. Right? And you never discipline them out of anger. Go cool off. Get yourself under control. And then you discipline them. And listen, you discipline them never out of abuse. There is no right to abuse your children. Do you hear me this morning? Don't you dare leave this place and say that the pastor condoned abuse of children. If you think that of me, you don't even know who I am. You don't. This is not a condoning of abuse. This is a condoning of discipline and instruction the way God has designed it. Right? You make sure your children understand the rules and the limits and what is expected, and you deal with it accordingly. Now, I, I'm, I'm running out of time, but I'm practically going to do this because this is really important. Right? Somebody taught me this, and I want to pass it on to the younger parents. So when I would discipline my children, I always made sure that I told them, you do that again, discipline's coming, all right? And so they did it, right? Sometimes they looked at me and did it, right? <laughs> and so I would grab them and I would get the rod, and I'm not going to say what the rod was because this is being taped, all right? <laughs> and I would get the rod and I would sit them on my lap. And I would say, do you know why you're getting a spanking? Yes. Tell me why. They told me. And I would say, yes, that's right. That's why you're getting a spanking. Or if they didn't tell me why, correctly why they were getting a spanking, I would correct them. See, it's discipline and instruction. Make sense? So then we got all that straightened out. Discipline. Then what did you do? I picked them up and put them in my lap and I held them until they softened and stopped crying and held me back. Why? Are you listening? Oh, don't miss it. That is exactly what God does with you. And what you're doing in your discipline and in your instruction is you are mirroring for your children how to relate to God. And if you don't discipline them and you don't instruct them when they grow up and have to deal with God on their own, they won't receive his discipline and instruction either. Because they didn't receive it from you. This is eternal significance, friends. Eternal significance. A mom and dad who love their children, direct them and disciple them and instruct them and correct them. Uh, oh, I got it. Mm, there's so much I want to tell you. I got I to give you another verse and I'm going to move on to the last point. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as the father, the son in whom he delights. The word reproves means to correct and instruct and change. And then listen to the end of it. And the father, oh, this was work church today. When you as a parent are faithful and you hang in there to the end and your child grows up to maturity and you disciplined and instructed them and directed them and discipled them, you look at their lives when they're mature and they're grown up and it's joy. That's my son. That's my daughter. I want everybody to know they belong to me. That's what he's saying. That is the reward that is the reward all right I'm gonna trust that you understand my heart I gotta move on I gotta talk to the kids all right this is where y'all get nervous when I come down here but it's gonna be all right you just give me five more minutes and we'll be done this is important all right this is really really important all right kiddos teenagers listen to your pastor, all right? Your parents have a responsibility to disciple you. They have a responsibility. I keep those ears open. I saw that. <laughs> they have a responsibility to disciple you and to direct you and to discipline you. But did you know that the Bible says that you have a responsibility? As children, you have a responsibility to God and to your parents. Do you know what that is? It's to receive your parents' discipleship is to receive your parents' direction, and it is to receive your parents' discipline. Everything I've been talking to your mom and dad about, what they're responsible for, you're responsible to receive and accept all of that and learn from it. Now, I'm going to tell you two things, kids. You listening? Here's how I know you're listening, all right? If you're under, let's say you're under 24, all right? You're under 24, all right? If you're under 24, say amen. What? What? Now, come on. Let's try it again. If you're under 24, say amen. Oh, come on. You talked louder than that 10 minutes ago midway through the sermon, all right? Now, if you're 24 under, say amen. Come on. You're taking up my preaching time. Let's go. All right? Now, I want to tell you two things. All right? Number one, be blessed by your parents. Be blessed by your parents. Proverbs 1.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof or correction is prudent. It means you're wise. When you receive your mom and dad's instruction, you're blessed by that. You're wise. Okay? Listen to Proverbs chapter 6. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Children, be blessed by your parents. Listen to their biblical instruction. Listen to their direction. Receive their discipline. Receive their discipleship. You know why? You will live a blessed life by God if you do that. 
If you want your life to be blessed, kids, you receive that from your parents, and it will be, all right? So your pastor wants you to be blessed by God, and that's the key. That's the key, all right? Here's the second one. Hey, you up on the front row, y'all are listening too, right? Just because my back's turned now. Come on. All right, number two, bring joy to your parents. Proverbs 17, 21, he who sires a fool gets himself sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. Kids, you know what I know this morning? Do you know what your pastor knows this morning in a room this size? There's heartbroken parents in this room. Because their children didn't receive their instruction and direction. And they're not living for God today. They're living for the world. They're living for the devil. They're living for the things of the kingdom. And there's broken hearts in this room today from parents. Because their children didn't listen to what their parents tried to teach them and pour into them. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. You know what it means, kids? It means when you rebel against God and you rebel against your parents and you refuse to receive what your parents are giving you through discipleship and direction and discipline, it becomes bitterness and heartbreak in the lives of your mom and dad. I bet you've never thought about that. How your rebellion breaks your parents' heart. But it does. And God has given you to your parents to be a source of joy to them. And that's what you want to do. All right? Let me give you one more and I'll stop. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. Joy and sorrow. And do you know how it's based? How you receive biblical direction and discipleship and discipline. The Bible says, friends, that as the days of Jesus come closer and closer, one of the things that we're going to know is that there is going to be a rebellion from parents, from children towards their parents. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm not an expert. Great trepidation to talk about all of this stuff to you. I almost didn't even preach this sermon. But family matters. And the world's not going to talk about the things that we just talked about in here this morning. And we all, no matter what stage we are in parenting, need to be reminded of them. Let's pray.